Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. Mo, how you doing today, yeah. Mo? I'm fucking <laughs> exhausted. Mo is it's so the longest sleepy. day ever. Oh, it's, the, it's been the longest day ever. It's uh, This is a new record for No Budget Nightmares. We're actually doing a second recording, Mo, in a single day. Yeah. It's exciting. It is exciting. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling the audience right now I'm going to be yawning through this entire fucking episode. But that's not that big of a difference than normal. <laughs> it is eight the important, The important... The important thing is that I didn't yawn my way through the last recording. That's true. Now, we are going to talk very briefly. Mo says that we have to get in and out with this episode in because and out. he's so sleepy. Uh, he actually might fall asleep in the final 20 minutes, so we'll, we'll listen for his snoring. But, Mo, why was it, Mo? <laughs> <laughs> and the snorting. Um, yeah, sorry about that He's one. snorting crank. That's how he's going to get through the rest of this episode. Mo... <laughs> Why is it that we recorded twice in one day outside of the fact that we our scheduling has been all over the goddamn place? <laughs> uh, because we recorded a commentary track for mm-hmm. the upcoming release of J.R. Bookwalter's 1989 classic, Robot Ninja. So fans of No Budget Nightmares and people who kind of follow us on social media might have seen us posting about this recently, uh, about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, J.R. Bookwalter reached out and said that um, the uh, campaign for uh, promoting the three-disc set, of a 2K scan of Robot Ninja was, uh, was about to hit. And he was wondering if he could use our Robot Ninja episode as a commentary on the movie, just like he used our Dead Next Door episode. On the dead and we both we both raised our hands up really fast and said, no, I no was, let I, us do something new. I think my exact words is, JR, this is great. This is so exciting. Please, please, please let us record something new. <laughs> and and we did. And, you know, we're actually, this is kind of a premature thing that we're saying. Not because he's already agreed to let us do the commentary, but he has not heard the commentary that Mo and I did. I think it turned out really well. Uh, certainly I think better. it came out well. Yeah. yeah, certainly a lot better and certainly going to sound a lot better than an episode would have in its place. And it'll be screen specific and all of that fun stuff. But, uh, you know, it's... We are we're, we're funny guys, Mo. We're so funny and weird and quirky. Uh, so you can see that our sense of humor might not necessarily uh, travel to you know mocking a movie that we have you know been asked to nicely put a commentary to. But we did. We did, and in fact, <laughs> every time the robot ninja shows up on screen. Bobby, 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 Bobby,
we have that playing. No, we don't. We don't actually. No. It's a very straight commentary. Uh, it, it isn't. It isn't really structured like a traditional episode. But I, I think people are gonna really, really dig it. Yup. Yup. If if you like no budget nightmares, which hey, I hope you do. Uh, then you're probably going to dig the Robot Ninja commentary. So just to give you a quick heads up on that, uh, currently there's an Indiegogo campaign that you can support. Just go over to the No Budget Nightmares Facebook page and we'll link you there. Uh, this is for like a pre-order of it. Uh, it might actually, that section might be done by the time this episode comes out. But you can uh, then support uh, the campaign to get this out into your hot little hands. It's a three-disc set, one Blu-ray with a new 2K scan of the movie, uh, one DVD version of the original version of the movie, and the soundtrack to the movie. It's a it's a very similar sounding set to the original uh, uh Dead Next Door set that was beautiful and really It was awesome. Yeah. And so uh that should be coming out I guess uh a little bit later on and you'll be able to hear us and hear Robot Ninja and boy, what a great time to be alive where a movie like Robot Fucking Ninja can get a <laughs> Blu-ray release, Mo. Right? Amazing. It is amazing, Mo. What a great we thing in, for you to say. We, we live in good times. We live in interesting times. We are damned to live in interesting <laughs> times. Now, speaking of interesting times, Mo, we're here today to celebrate this thing called life, um, but also to celebrate a very... <laughs> All right, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk about a very interesting movie. Movie, 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 Yeah, movie. no, we, we've done that. <laughs> oh. What is this movie, Mo, that we're talking about? Today we are talking about the 2011 film. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. This is going really well. (laughs) The Taint. The Taint, directed by Drew Boldick. uh, Mm -hmm. And both Mo and I had seen this movie previously. And in fact, both of us saw it and were so enthused by it that we actually have interviewed the director separately. Which is... Interesting and you know? unique. I mean, certainly yeah. unique for this show. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember the first time I saw it. I was like, afterwards, it, it was a similar. It, it's something that happens every once in a while where you'll see something and it's so different and so unique and so interesting. Afterwards, you're like, I need to find out more about the people who made this. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's one of the great things about living in the internet age, Mo. I just hopped on the information superhighway, and soon I was chatting with the person himself or themselves. Yeah, my situation was much different. I was uh, sort of floundering with my show at the time with uh, with Drunk on VHS, and uh, the guy who was hosting and being super fucking supportive, even though the episodes I was giving him were kind of shit. Um, uh, his name is Dave. Uh, you, uh, it was CouchCutter.com, if you remember that. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist. It doesn't exist anymore. Dave's um, not here, man. <laughs> Dave's not here, man. Um, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he said, hey, if you want, I can get you in contact with the director of The Taint. And I'm like, well, that movie's amazing. So, yes. And so I, I had it's a fairly short interview, unfortunately, for uh, for me. Um, but uh, I, I still have it. I got to get it over to John at After Movie Diner to get him. Put it up on the uh, Drunk on VHS archive page that he maintains for me, which is very nice of him. Both Mo and myself would both agree, I think, that Drew is a man of few words. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get any detailed answers from him. At least it was at the time. He's actually recently started uh, promoting the idea of a sequel to The Taint, which I'm very, very excited about. Uh, yes. So so this, I think, is timely, Mo, for us to talk about the original the 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 great <laughs> the the originator uh 2011's the taint 
Indeed. Oh. Now, Mo. Mm-hmm. This movie starts, as most movies do, with slow music playing, with some black and white breasts on the screen. <laughs> and an internal shot of a vagina. An internal shot of a vagina, which we will see a few times again. Right. And then something kind of bursting out of a midsection. Right, exactly. Now, it's really funny. Uh, one of the stories I can I can remember real quick was uh, that, that Drew was telling me was that this played at the same time. Uh, like literally, like in the same festival as Enter the Void. Oh, right. Yeah. So, and both of those movies have the same exact sort of, you know, like penis in vagina but internal yes. shot. And uh, and he's it's just so he said it was like it was so weird because like you he was like I was watching mine and it's clearly just like a plastic toy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then that one was like so polished, but it's it's funny. It's like. How how random is that that two movies would have that exact same shot? Uh, it, it, well, great minds think alike. And certainly sure. those great minds are obviously thinking about how awesome it would be to have an <laughs> internal camera in a woman's <laughs> vagina. <laughs> and, and, and right before our lead character wakes up, we get a quick shot of a bearded man. Uh, and he, what is he wielding, Mo? He has a scythe. Yes, he has a scythe. Uh, and we see him just for a split second... And then our lead character, Philogeny, Phil, he wakes up from a nightmare. He's there with a woman. It's dark. We hear someone crying. The woman asks to have sex again. And he says, okay. Yeah, he's like, uh, okay. And then that man that we saw briefly with the scythe, he arrives, Mo. Now describe this man to me. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, he's a, uh, a bearded man with uh, uh-huh. scraggly hair. Uh-huh. I believe I believe he's wearing some kind of sunglasses or goggles or something. Sure. Um, he's wearing a full body uh, red union suit, uh, uh-huh. otherwise otherwise known as long johns. Long johns. Uh, and we I believe the next the very next time we see him, he is uh, dangling about a severed penis. Severed penis. He has a severed penis. Oh, that's yeah. it. He has a severed penis. That's yeah. Right. He, yeah. He what has I mean, a, he's he's wielding a severed. He's penis. holding a severed penis, uh, <laughs> and he is currently pooping himself. And he has poop uh, coming out of his butt. It's disgusting, in the best way. It's okay. So I mean. You know that you are not watching something normal <laughs> right off the bat here. Yeah, yeah, immediately. There's penis. There's poop. Uh, this is well. I mean, I guess it could be normal depending on the kind of. <laughs> you watch. And so Phil, he sees this. He immediately lights a cigarette and starts to run off. Well, he starts running and then lights the cigarette, which is like such a <laughs> is such a great like physical joke, right? like because because it, it gives you an idea of like who this character is. Like he cares so much more about like how he looks doing something than what he's actually doing. Uh, so he starts taking off. He's running, and then up comes the cigarette, and he's trying to like run while he's lighting <laughs> he's the cigarette. To run while lighting it. <laughs> and then he he sees a severed head on the ground. He goes sick. <laughs> <laughs> but then he runs off. And that goes right into the opening credits, Mo. It's actually kind of an abrupt start of the movie. It very, very. Uh, so the opening credits is actually terrific. It's basically played as a montage of the water cycle uh, using a lot of like public domain footage. And, and the credits kind of roll over it. But one of the things that makes it really great is the opening theme music, Mo. How would mm-hmm. you describe the music in this movie? Uh, electronic. Electronic, yes. Synthy. Uh, it's funny because since this movie came out, it's it's become sort of um, uh, in fashion to do a lot of kind of synth 
uh, John Carpenter esque soundtracks to movies. But at the right. time this came out, it wasn't quite so popular. But that's that's the kind of thing that you get here. I wouldn't say it's necessarily Carpenter ish, but it certainly has that vibe to it. I agree. Let's listen to some of that theme music, please, so, so everyone will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love it, yeah. I think there was also a vinyl release of the soundtrack. It's it's terrific. I mean, it's really worthwhile going out of your way to see. And even if you don't end up seeking out the movie, uh, some of the soundtrack is on uh, YouTube and you can check it out. It's really great stuff. Yeah, uh, Drew uh, really downplayed the, the music in this. He's like, oh, I just kind of like, you know, I sat there and I... <laughs> And I just put stuff together, and I'm like, yeah, but it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. you know? Which is, again, it's such a sad commentary on my own lack of talent that something someone can kind of just be like, oh, yeah, I didn't make a big effort to it. it to me, it's like the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah, it would take me all day to come up with one of those riffs. Well, uh, so we have this, and like I said, the background, there's the water cycle in black and white. And as the water is kind of going through the system, it's been tinted green. Yeah. Uh, it's actually, I really love this opening credits. And then, It's great. It goes through the whole cycle, and the last thing it shows is the female reproductive system on the screen. And that's basically, uh, you know, a summation of what we're going to find in this movie. Now, Mo, at some point during this discussion, I'm going to ask you what the kind of uh, uh, political uh, meaning of this movie is. And I'm going to be unable to answer it. It is a little confusing. Now, this is a movie that's very devoted to... Bad taste. Uh, it's very trauma-esque, and that's appropriate because it was later released by trauma. Yeah. But it's also the kind of movie where it seems like it's trying to say something, and sometimes what it is trying to say could be interpreted as something really positive and kind of progressive, or otherwise maybe not those things, or maybe it's just a joke being played on the audience. Right. So, we start the movie proper after the opening credits. Phil, he's wandering around the woods, Mo. This is a great moment, too, because as soon as we come out of the credits, he's, like, jumping over some, like, rocks at the side of a train track, (laughs) and he flips up his collar, and he goes, you still got it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, describe, actually, Mo, to the audience, what does Phil look like in this movie? All right, so he's uh, tall, slender, uh, wearing a ridiculous blonde wig. A lot of ridiculous uh, wigs in this movie. A lot of ridiculous wigs in this movie, but Phil's is the one you see the most. Uh, he's wearing like a school uniform. Yes. A sort of thing. Uh, you know, like a short tie, uh, button down shirt and uh, slack shorts. And he's, oh, he always has, and he, oh, and he's always wearing sunglasses. Always wearing at least one pair of sunglasses. At least one pair of sunglasses. And there is a re- recurring joke that the first one actually happens here. Um, like right after he does that, he kind of he stops uh, and he pulls off one pair of sunglasses. He's got a brown pair and a white pair, and he <laughs> he'll pull one off and then he'll put the other one on. So that's this is the first time he does that. I think he does it three or four times in the movie. He also has like a side bag or like a satchel bag, and right we, in it apparently is only a gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like a giant like Magnum, uh, like like a Dirty Harry style gun. Yeah. So he's following this trail in the woods. And he comes upon a corpse, Mo. And when I say he comes upon, I mean he just walks up to it. And yeah, the reason I have be, to specify that. <laughs> yeah, because there'll be plenty of the other. <laughs> but what does he do, Mo, when he finds this corpse? Oh, man. Like, I had a real, ho- he had a, he has a real holy moly moment here. Yes. 
and uh, and just throws up like for real a lot. <laughs> yeah. Look, every single bodily fluid you can think of is going to make a lot of appearances in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he vomits a lot. Uh, afterwards, he continues to wander in the woods and he takes uh, a piss by a tree. Mm-hmm. And as he's doing that, he notices someone kind of wandering towards him with a rock held over their head. Now, this <laughs> is going to be, Mo, uh, a regular image that we're going to see for the rest of the movie. Yes. And this might be a good idea to explain what this movie is about. What's this movie about, Mo? All right. So, in essence, a chemical has gotten into the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chemical only affects men. Uh, it's Should I give away the name yeah, of the go chem- for it. All right, it's called coxantium, uh-huh. <laughs> and what and it's basically a sexual enhancer. Yes, or that is the idea. But what it ends up actually doing is giving whoever comes into contact, every any man who comes into contact with it, a rock hard penis that mm-hmm. is constantly shooting cum. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and 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 the urge to indiscriminately kill women. Yes, they become misogynists. Yeah, that's right. So, so I'll, it's explained in some detail a little bit later when we get, and we'll get to that. But the idea is that men are overrun with these emotions of sex and violence against women, specifically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so he has this rock held over his head, Mo. He also so has. It's not the only rock he's got. <laughs> he also has the penis, as you just mentioned. Now, yeah. the penises in this movie, Mo, are generally not real. <laughs> They're not real, but yeah. uh, I do have to say they're much more convincing than the ones in, say, I don't know, Ant Farm Dickle. Ant Farm Dickle, <laughs> yeah. In that they look like a penis and not some sort of penis-shaped plastic toy. Ugh, creepy. So this guy's approaching... Well, I mean, the, in, es- in essence, they are penis-shaped plastic toys. Yeah, well, whatever. You know? <laughs> Different functions. Uh, so the, he's approaching Phil... And is getting a little bit closer, and then a woman jumps out. She yells out, "Stand back!" And she shoots the guy, the the uh, the attacker in the head, which leads Phil to say, "You, you, you killed him." Shut up. <laughs> she. she <laughs> Phil's manner of speaking is very unusual in the movie. He's like yeah. very lackadaisical. He's also kind of. Like a teenager, uh, he's playing obviously a teenager in the movie, but he's he's like, it's not that he's not concerned with what's going on. He's just acting like a idiot kid. Yeah, he's definitely he definitely like is too cool for school. You know, too cool like, for school. That is exactly yeah. it. He's actually li- literally too cool he's for school. Literally too cool for school. <laughs> she, after killing this guy, she immediately uh, pours gasoline on the corpse and burns it, which leads to this follow up from Phil. Who are you? Who's that large cocked man? (laughs) That was no man. That was something far worse. So, uh, this is our major introduction to the secondary lead of the movie. Uh, She's confused about how Phil has even survived what's going on. Phil has no idea what is going on. (laughs) Yeah, and the best part is that when she, she explains it in a second, you know, um, that about the water and what's going on, and like it's been going on for twelve days. Yeah, and he has no idea what's happening. <laughs> so she's going to introduce herself in just a second, and we'll, we'll we'll explain sort of the naming scheme of this movie. But before she does that, we get sort of a montage of violence, and it's actually 
boy, this movie is something else. <laughs> it's fucking brutal. All so, of the violence in this movie is fucking brutal. And some of it is incredibly well done. Not yeah. that it's realistic necessarily, but it certainly doesn't look like low budget in the way that you would expect it to look. Yep. So what happens is we see a group of uh, three women and they're being chased by men as they're run down a path. A lot of this movie takes place in the woods. The low budget filmmaker's best friend. Yeah. And uh, so the women are being chased and they kind of split off. And then we have lots of violence occurring uh, individually to these women. Right, yeah. Each of them gets killed in their own gruesome way. So we get mm-hmm. one one who has her head smashed in with a rock, yep. which is something that happens a lot in this movie, and every single time it's painful to watch. It's painful, yeah, but it's something yeah. else. I mean, it really does look good. But it's a, amazing. A woman, there's a blonde woman, she gets first thrown off a bridge, and like yep. she's replaced by a mannequin for a second, and it's great. It looks yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they impale a dark-haired woman's head on a pipe in the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. Think of it like the pipe in Shaun of the Dead or something like that. Yeah. Uh, then they rip off that blonde woman's leg in a really unusual <laughs> sequence. They douse a woman with gasoline and set her on fire. Then it's, the just, blonde- that's just, it's the same woman. It's the, yeah. the blonde woman again. Well, the blonde woman also gets her head smashed in with a rock. Uh, yep. and, we, and then it ends with the burnt body. We can see like an eye moving around in it. It's really, it's disturbing, but it's also, it's one of those things where you're disturbed, but like impressed at the same time. Yeah, well, there's another, I mean, like not to jump too far ahead to the end of the movie, but there is also, uh, there's a scene right at the end where a woman's having her head chopped in half with a chainsaw. Yes. And like the eyes are moving and like it's done digitally and it's, uh, it, it looks incredible. It's yeah. like, holy shit. It's it's really a. There's obviously some real talent on display here, and I, you know, yeah. I don't mean to downplay the amount of talent that we see in other movies, but this is like an extremely talented group of people who have devoted a lot of those talents to something that's incredibly ridiculous. Yeah, which is great for us. I love it. So after these women are murdered, it goes back to Phil, and who is his new friend, Mo? Well, her name is Missandra. She is Missandra, which is obviously a pay uh, a play on. Uh, Misandry, which is um, the um, basically hatred towards women. Mm-hmm. And he, as he restates, is Philogeny. Uh, it's, AKA, I- it's, it's, it's Iris. Iris. <laughs> he says it's Iris, which is meant to be phylogeny, which is the fondness, love, or admiration towards women. So they're exact opposites, Mo. Brilliant. So she tells him her story. That's another thing about this movie. It's that it's... Uh, very episodic and it jumps around in terms of time and there's no real transitions between those sections. It's not hard to, to keep track of things because uh, because it's it's kind of fairly well explained, but it, it also feels like when they were putting this together, they were just like kind of piecing it afterwards. Uh, and it, I'd like to see the original script because it's hard to believe that it was it was meant to go in this order right from the very beginning. Right, right. So she explains that 12 days ago everything that she ever loved has went to hell and then we see a flashback to her and her boyfriend uh basically in a field uh dancing around happily flying a kite that sort of thing so they're even like uh uh having like a a picnic or drinking some wine next to a pond and a puppy comes over and that sort of thing starts digging in the dirt next to them and uh that lets let leads to them exclaiming to us Fuck anybody who's not in love like we are. <laughs> now, Mo, I did cut off that clip. Yeah, you did. Uh, because they follow that statement by using some language that I uh, I don't find very appropriate, but uh, might be appropriate for the kind of characters they're supposed to be in this mo- uh, moment. Since you don't uh, worry about saying anything, Mo, what do they say? <laughs> what do they say immediately after that? 
Uh, you know what? I don't remember the exact line, to be honest, but it's, uh, God, it's like, Oh, it's I, fu- I don't want you to guess and try to come up with the lines. So let me feed yeah, yeah. them to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. So they say, fuck anyone who isn't in love like we are. And then he says they must be the F word, which is a uh, slur uh, usually used towards homosexuals. And then she says total fucking Q word, which is also a slur towards homosexuals. Yeah. Yeah. And then they start making out furiously. Yeah. Yeah, so these, I don't know what we're supposed to make of this couple necessarily, Mo. <laughs> Though I tell you, I don't think we're necessarily supposed to like them because that's immediately followed showing Misandra dressed as a park ranger. I guess she works as a park ranger. And she shoots a squirrel and explodes. It just fucking explodes. Then she has a bullwhip and she uses it to decapitate another squirrel. Well, I like the fact, like, as seemingly useless as this scene is at this moment, it's a great way to explain why she's so quickly prepared for this apocalypse. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, oh, she knows what she's doing. You know. So that then shows, it shows her boyfriend or husband uh, walking down a, uh, a pathway and he's blowing kisses. He's just like the happiest guy in the world, right? Right. Uh, he arrives home and he tosses his hat onto the, ho- uh, the antlers of a deer head that's on the wall. <laughs> and she, a, he asks her to get him a glass of water while he reads the paper, Mo. Now, what's this paper saying to us? <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a big ad on the back. That oh, yeah, a, what does that ad say on the back? <laughs> the big ad on the back just says, need cock. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God. But what, what is on the front of the paper? What's the big oh, headline? Even, oh, I didn't even know. What, what well, did it say? It's actually kind of important. The front headline. See, uh, I, thought the back, I thought the back was important. <laughs> well, that's important, too. But that main headline, it says, abortion illegal, Roe versus Wade declared unconstitutional. And there's a picture of both a fetus and a coat hanger on the front. Yes. This is actually, <laughs> it might just seem like a throwaway, a bad taste gag, but it's actually, uh, it's actually going to be referenced later on in the movie. <laughs> right, right. But as, uh, as I mentioned before, she, uh, she brings her husband a glass of water, but before. There, there's, um, I, I love the, the subversion of the idea of like the fifties family right here. Cause like, th- that's what they act like. They act like everything's perfect. Ozzie and Harriet, blah, blah, blah. You know, but they're. But the way they talk to each other is just so fucking filthy. Yes. And like, so he comes in and like, you know, like you said, he's looking through the thing and he starts talking to her. He says, do you know what I did today? And she's like, oh, what? You know, it's like, I, you, know, you know, you know, that picture that I keep in my wallet of you. I totally beat off to it. <laughs> uh, young love. <laughs> young, young love. And then that transitions right into the two of them uh, having sex, Mo. And once again, we get that wonderful internal angle of the penis going into the vagina from inside her. Yep. I call that the pee in the vagina shot. The pee in the vagina shot. That's pretty good. <laughs> so in post-coital bliss, he then reaches over and he drinks some water. Oh, you poor bastard. And what happens, yeah. Mo? He starts feeling ill. Um, and then almost immediately, its I mean, it's literally seconds, he starts mm-hmm. attacking her. Right. Uh, and in the process, shouts out, I hate women. Right? Just in case you didn't get it. <laughs> right. Um, so she struggles back, and because she is a very capable woman, she ends up grabbing uh, uh, a candle a holder. I yeah, guess a candle holder, yeah. It's a big square, like a cube thing, and just caves his fucking head in with <laughs> with, with one hit, pulls out his brain, uh-huh. 
while she's crying. <laughs> and like, and the, and it's at, it's at this moment, like in the filming where you, in the, in the film where you start thinking to yourself, like the effects in this are really effective. Like, right. like they're really gross and amazing. Uh, Cause the brain is just, it's perfect. Yeah. It's great. It's a great you know? brain. And then she's crying while holding it. And then she just tosses it in the gun. <laughs> she just tosses it. <laughs> Then she immediately is prepared. She gets dressed and she grabs yeah. a shotgun. She goes outside and immediately shoots someone in the dick as blood just erupts over her. Yeah, there's a lot of dick shooting in this. Then it cuts back to present day where Phil and Missandra are wandering through the woods, Mo. And Phil's not having a good time. In fact, he says this. Ugh. I'm so fucking thirsty. <laughs> I'm almost out. I know of a well. It might be untainted. You can come with me. You've got to pull your weight. If all shit goes to hell, I will not hesitate to kill you and eat your dead body for sustenance. Understand? I'm not sure why that would be necessary. <laughs> oh, you cut you cut his response. That well, was the I, best it was part. Going kind of long. Well, tell us what I the response was. Oh, he just goes, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll kill me and eat me. <laughs> <laughs> Because he is. He's just like a little kid, almost, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love his response. I'm so fucking thirsty. <laughs> uh, so uh, right after that, they see a woman being chased by uh, men, once again, or a man. Um, and this is where he takes off one set of sunglasses and immediately puts on another as he yeah, says, he goes, we got to help that woman. But what happens to her, Mo? Oh, she ends up, uh, I believe she ends up having her head caved in with a rock. She, she does. I actually uh, turned this into a uh, video clip that I put out on our Twitter feed and on our Facebook group as well. So she gets her head crushed with a rock. This man, by the way, has his penis out once again. Yep. Uh, and uh, Phil has a very unique reaction to this. No! She was so hot! <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> you son of a bitch! And that... Uh, leads then to a brief montage of both Misandra and Phil just smashing the shit out of the heads of some men. Like, they punch them in the face, and their faces collapse, and then they uh, stomp one's head into pieces. And then we see, like, one more man climbing out of a pond with a rock over his head, and they shoot him, like, 12 times, and then all we see is his dick floating and spewing cum. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, we see Phil and Misandra. They're climbing on some, like, trees next to a pond. Uh, Misandra goes for a swim, and uh, Phil, uh, just <laughs> confirming that he's a piece of junk, uh, piece of garbage, he takes her panties, uh, sniffs them, and then steals them. Yep. So then they're walking <laughs> through the woods still. They stop to rest, and like his rest is just curling up next to a tree to go to sleep. And he does fall asleep. And once again, we get the black and white dreams from the beginning. One of the things it shows uh, sometimes when he's dreaming is his own face in sort of... Um, what would they call it? Like reverse image? What do they call that? Negative. Negative. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. And his, he has like a circle of dicks surrounding him at all times. Yeah, he's got like this aura of cocks. Yes, an aura of cocks. That's a really good way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so uh, he dreams again in, in black and white, a woman running through the woods and him shirtless and uh, a, a dick uh, spewing Just cum over the blasting her. Just blasting her. She is blasted. Ugh. This time he wakes up with a scream and uh, <laughs> she just goes, shut up, pussy. <laughs> yes, that's right. 
And I think he loses all hope at this point because he says, Fuck. <laughs> I'm so fucked. <laughs> How long until we get to that well you're talking about? Soon. Maybe a day. I just really don't want to have to drink my own piss. <laughs> <laughs> I let that one run a little bit, Mo. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> so she says that she's going to go, like, look for something and tells this him is, not to... This is a typical Phil move here, mm-hmm. too. Because she says, wait here, I'm going to go look for food. And he yes. immediately wanders off. He immediately wanders off. Uh, and as he wanders off, he uh, finds an abandoned uh, building. Mm-hmm. And once he arrives there, a guy with a sweatband approaches him, and they actually know each other. Mo, who is this guy? Well, I didn't catch his name, but he's uh, Phil's old gym teacher. Well, his his name is Mr. Johnson, but he goes by Houdini now. Sure. That's what he says. So I've, I'm going to refer to him as Houdini for the rest of this movie. So, <laughs> so learn to love it. <laughs> but what's he all about, Mo? What is he all about? Yeah, what's he about? What, who is he? Uh, what's he? Oh, well, I mean, he runs like a crew of vagabond assholes. Are we supposed to think that they've already turned or maybe they're just generally assholes in the first place? Uh, this guy gives you the impression, like right from the get go, that if he wasn't always an asshole, he certainly fucking is now. Right. Yeah, yeah he's always been an asshole. And they make some jokes about him having a legendary fist because he loves to fist. I, I mean, yes. you get you get it. You get it. Uh, and they make of, a lot of fisting jokes. Yeah. yeah, they do. But the first thing he does is he introduces Phil to his crew. And the, I la- the, mm-hmm. the last the last name, just listen out for the last name because it's the best fucking name I've ever heard. The last name is key. So let's have a yeah. little listen. Meet my crew. Brown Eye. Balloon Knot. <laughs> Chili Dog. Swamp <laughs> Daddy. Pink dot. Alligator fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... but, but alligator fuckhouse. It's like the best name ever. Alligator fuckhouse is definitely uh, the star of this crew of people. And in fact, once uh, once Houdini starts uh, bragging about his fist. Uh, alligator fuckhouse says it is a good fist <laughs> <laughs> it is a good fist so uh oh my God. phil says to him that he must have been lucky to stay alive this long but houdini he says he's been training for this his whole life and in case we didn't believe him oh we then get a training montage of houdini i love i love montages and like all classic montages it comes with a, a montage song that goes along with it it's so good well, let's have a little listen to how good it actually is. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> I only have like I only have. I'm gonna cut it off. I only have a little bit of that song, but uh, again. It's, some of the lyrics are hilarious in it. It's really something else. We'll meet within the shadow of love. <laughs> so, and while this is going on, all it is is Houdini, like, pumping iron in tennis shorts. And sometimes there's <laughs> and like, like look, look, and, 
Yeah, like looking sexily at the camera. <laughs> looking sexily at the camera. Sometimes a close-up of his erect dick through his shorts. His cock uh, is hard the entire time. Yeah, he likes he likes to exercise. Him. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. And then that goes from a montage flashback to another flashback where uh, we see um, Mr. Johnson Houdini in action as the gym teacher at Phil's school. So... Phil, I didn't know what the hell was going on the first time I saw this. So Phil is smoking a cigarette on the soccer field, and we see uh, Houdini. He's demanding that the students play shirts versus skins, um, and he gets upset, very upset, that Phil is getting a zero in his gym class. And he, I think he says, "You are a limp dick, pathetic husk of a man." Just, <laughs> just thought you should know that. <laughs> yeah. And then it cuts to Houdini picking up his girlfriend on a motorcycle, uh, and he says, about time, bitch. He's obviously a really not great guy. Right. And then you get something, Mo, which we see not very often uh, on our our, our excursions in the no-budget, micro-budget film world. A cartoon. Yeah. An extremely traumatic cartoon. Yeah, oh, it's traumatic, all right. But it's also really well done. It's shockingly well done. It's shockingly well done. All it is is two rabbits in a cage, uh, and they're in some sort of, of laboratory, and the son is very scared, and the father is trying to reassure him, and he says that they're going to get out of there. And then suddenly, someone grabs the father bunny out, shaves his head, inject him directly in the eyeball, cut him open, and rip out his guts. And it's really disturbing. Yeah. And it, then it cuts to that Houdini and his girlfriend are just watching it on TV, and he, he has a very strong... Reaction, and I think this is hilarious. <sighs> fucking stupid shit. Goddamn ridiculous fucking shit. So did you <laughs> like the movie? No. So he, uh, uh, they're sitting on the couch. He's obviously upset by the movie. And then they get a phone call, and it's it's her uh, grandfather. And he tells her on the phone that their gran- her grandmother has died. And she's very, very upset by that. But he has a very strange reaction to her um, her crying, Mo. What does he do? He asks her if she's hurt. Right. He keeps asking her if she's hurt. And yeah. She's, and she, she seems very confused. She just says, no, like, she's really sad. Right. And it's really funny because, like, the first time he asks it, it's really subtle. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, you're hurt? You know? And she's like, no, no, no. And, you know, and and she she's trying to talk about like her feelings, and she's crying, and she's sad, and he keeps asking her, and more every time he asks her, he's getting a little more mad and a little more mad, you know, if she's hurt, you know, and finally she kind of like you know claps back for a second. She's like, well, you know, why do you keep asking? Like I told you, I'm not her. Why do you keep asking? Sure. And he and he just whips off his belt, you know, and and goes into like full on like. Well, I can. I'm going to give you something to cry about, you know, right. like that classic dad line that that I'm sure many children have heard. And she's like horrified, and he doesn't understand why she's horrified by it. Right, I, right. It, there's obviously some uh, severe emotional damage. And in case we didn't understand that, he picks up a lamp with a, like a horse figurine in it, and then it, he immediately has a flashback to his own abusive father saying the exact same thing to him. What a strange right. moment in this movie, Mo. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really weird to like to it's really weird to get like, you know, to have sympathetic moments with characters who you kind of already hate because you know they're an asshole. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know. Um and one who who gets no uh redemption for the rest of the movie. Yeah, none. Nothing. So we see him have the flashback and he smashes the lamp on the ground. 
And then, after like two lengthy flashbacks, we go right back to present time. We're back on the compound with uh, with Houdini and his gang. And Missandra arrives, Mo. And what is their reaction to her arrival? Uh, I believe it's, oh, look, a girl. Let's gang rape her. Yeah. And Phil says, you got to be joking. And then one of the guys says, and I'm sorry to laugh at this. He goes, gang rape is not a joke. We take it very seriously. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, you're not supposed to joke about rape, but come, that's kind of funny. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it's it, dark. In a, in a, yeah, it's really dark, in a, in a, but it's funny in a really ridiculous sort of way. So they, they start approaching her and uh, Phil uh, pulls out a gun and they accuse him Mo, of being a cock blocker. <laughs> and his response is this. You're a cock blocker. Filthy cock blocker. You're right. <laughs> I am a cock blocker. I'm the best cock blocker that I know. <laughs> you know what? All your cocks <laughs> just got blocked. <laughs> and he yells, Nobody blocks my cock. <laughs> and I, I, I feel like we don't even have to tell the people in the audience, what happened in between him saying all your cocks <laughs> and just got blocked. Cause we've already talked about it. So I think you have an idea, <laughs> right? That's number three. So they, uh, uh, Phil and Missandra, they run off. And of course the gang chases them into, uh, an abandoned building where they have a big fight scene. And in fact, one of the characters <laughs> even says it's not an apocalypse without a circle of death. <laughs> <laughs> But I love like when when they when they take off, you know, uh, Houdini goes shirts and skin, boy, shirts and skin. <laughs> so they uh, immediately grab Misandra. They take Phil and they beat the shit out of him. They just punch him in the face a dozen times, and he's all bloodied up. One of them picks up a rock to kill him, Mo. Uh, uh, and in fact, I guess Houdini picks up the rock to kill him. And then what happens? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, a mysterious masked man who we will learn his name in a moment, uh, reaches his clawed hand out and tears the face off of him. Tears his face off, Mo. Clean off. Clean off, or messily off. Yeah, I was going to say, not very clean, but yeah. And, the and rest this is, the... mm-hmm. I was going to say, and this is Ludus. We, like, Ludus. He tells us his name in a second. So he's Ludus, the rest of the gang runs off. He tells him that uh, he knows that they're in need of water, so he tells Misandra and Phil to come along with him to get it. And he also gives a long, um, a, a, a very long, he, does he, mo- he has he, a lot of monologues. He, he monologues so much, but this one's mostly like the gist of it is that justice is cruelty and pain. Yes, yeah, yeah. and life is pain to some extent. Yeah. So. They follow him while he kind of rambles on and on. And I really like this kind of performance, this kind of screaming performance. Yeah, my yeah. favorite part of it is when they arrive at where, where their destination is, and he says this. This is my friend's parents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, if memory serves correctly, isn't the guy who plays the Ludus in the mask the same guy who plays Alligator Fuckhouse? Uh, I don't believe that is the case. I'm pretty sure that the person who plays Ludus in the mask also plays him uh, before he gets the mask. Okay. I, I'm looking at the credits right now, and I'm telling you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he just he just has a different tone to his performance. <laughs> so they arrive to his sanctuary, Mo, 
And he tells them, first of all, that there is no water there. <laughs> Only wine. And it's because he has wine that they've been he's been able to avoid being tainted. Right. And he actually goes off on a very long monologue. But the, and by the way, let's describe okay, describe Ludus to the to our audience, Mo. Uh Ludus is um <sighs> He has claws. Yeah, he has claws, and he's wearing, like, a Japanese... Like a kabuki demon, mask. Yeah, demon mask with the big fangs and whatnot. Um, and, like, a, a shock of white hair that sticks all the way outside of the mask, like a f- solid foot. Um, he's uh, dressed fairly dandily. Uh, like, he's got, like, a satin, like, a red satin jacket. and he, he Like, he he's really well-dressed for... For what we find out about him <laughs> later, <laughs> so but, and he screams everything he says. He screams everything he says. He goes on this huge long monologue, um, and then Phil's response is, uh, "You got any of that wine you were talking about?" <laughs> yeah, right. And then he pours him the wine, and he goes, "Let us partake in this winey goodness." <laughs> and then he tells them Mo his story, which uh, takes place in flashback. And uh, he mentions, by the way, that the story starts when he had a face, which we'll, uh, we'll understand what he means by that in just a moment. So before he was a strange kabuki creature, he was a scientist, Mo, working out of that basement uh, uh, apartment or basement lab with uh, his good friend Drew. Now, describe Drew to me, Mo. Uh, Drew is um, is Phil in a red curly wig. Yeah, it's Drew Boldick, the director. It's the director in a second... uh, uh, This is really his uh, Peter Sellers moment, playing a second role (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) So basically, it's... uh, It's Ludus is the main scientist. Drew is uh, his partner, a scientist. And they also have an assistant, which we'll get to in just a second. So they're working on... Uh, something at this point we don't know what they're working on, but right. certainly they seem to be very close friends. And then we see Ludus later; he's just in a room working on his science stuff. And uh, there's a female scientist who's the assistant, and he gets really upset because his pen stops working. He goes, "Fuck, fucking gay pen," which is <laughs> offensive, but also really hilarious. Right. And she passes him her pen, and as that happens, Mo, there's electricity between them, and then they he. Have immediately- a- they have, they have a moment. They have a moment, and he immediately leans over and erases the calculator, which someone has written boobies. <laughs> 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 and by the way, Drew is shown to be very obsessed with the status that becoming famous scientists are going to get him and Ludus. Uh, specifically, he says that when they're famous scientists, they're going to get some mad fucking pussy, and girls will be lining up in droves to suck their cocks. <laughs> so what he says... That's what he says. So uh, the the uh, assistant is uh, Gina, and uh, Ludus is obviously very into her. Uh, and despite that, uh, and, and Drew, by the way, is unimpressed when Ludus admits that he likes Gina. And he, he says that there will be total balls-to-the-wall cocksucking. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Later on, they're going to test the, uh, the serum that they've created. Uh, and... Uh, Ludus is just about to get injected when uh, he... he's not injected. He, well, I mean, they're going to stick the needle in, obviously, but it's an extraction. 
It's an extraction. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And he's really unsure about it. And then uh, this is the response from uh, from Drew. I do this. No, I can do this. Never. Be a fucking years. pussy. You want to be a famous scientist? <laughs> I just love that delivery where he kind of trips over the word scientist. <laughs> but you can see you want to be a famous scientist. Scientist, uh, and then we see why Ludus was maybe a little hesitant to uh, to get extracted. Mo, why is that? Uh, because they had to do it from his balls. His balls, and they show a close up of balls with uh, with a needle going into it. Mo, these are very realistic looking balls. Yeah, it's a high end toy they use. That's for certain. A high-end toy with the high-quality, realistic balls. Oh, yeah. So some, th- this uh, test must have gone very well because later on they go to see their boss in the company. Uh, and it, by the way, the boss is obviously homophobic and says some very homophobic things immediately yeah. once they arrive. But they say that they have extracted the chemical that controls penis function and they can stimulate the dick receptors and balls. I don't know if this scientist, this science uh, necessarily stacks up, Mo. But they are able, Mo, <laughs> well, to supercharge the cock itself. In order to increase the chances of getting your cock sucked. Yeah, so it's ridiculous. So, by the way, he goes, here is our initial findings. And he opens up the folder. And inside is a picture of a bat with a Gigantic giant erection. And then the boss says that this is really good because uh, not that he has a small dick, but that he has a friend named Jim, uh, Jim J, J, J Jim, and that friend has a small dick, and this is going to really help him out. <laughs> and then if we have not gotten offensive enough, Mo, oh. later on, later on, the scientists are all watching TV, and an ad comes on for the coxantium that they're working on. And what is this ad all about, Mo? I'd like for you to describe it to me. <laughs> This is this is pretty, this is pretty extreme. Oh, it, and, it really is. It really is. All right, so <laughs> the ad takes place, and I hate to admit that uh, the end of the ad where it says to try coxantium was actually like my Facebook cover photo for a while. Oh my god! Because <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, uh, but explain it, it Mo. I'm, I'll I, explain it. Uh, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. So the whole thing takes place in a. In a Nazi concentration camp where they're bringing guys in one at a time and checking their penises. And uh, if you have a small dick, they put a gun in your mouth and shoot you. And right. it's, it's fucked up. So finally, the last guy comes in and it's this little tiny guy. And they pull his pants down. He's got this monster dick, you know, and he's just got this like smug look of like, I don't know if it's smug. He's like satisfied, you know, he's like happy. Yeah. You know, and the Nazis like, yeah. literally tremble in fear yeah. at the size of his dick. <laughs> and then it ends with uh, it ends with them, with uh, this guy. And now this guy, uh, the guy who plays the Nazi, that's the guy who plays Alligator Fuckhouse, by the way. Yes. That's where I was screwing that up. Um, yeah, easy mistake to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It says... <laughs> yeah, so it says, try Coxantium. Proudly, proudly made, made in, in the America. USA. Don't be a F word. Get cock. Yeah, get cock. It's all presented as if it's like a propaganda film. And, of course, that makes no sense at all. But, boy, is this offensive. And it's also, I have to admit, pretty darn funny. It's it's really funny. The joke is on the Nazis. That yeah, helps. yeah, yeah. It helps that. <laughs> yeah. That, that, yes. So, uh. later, Gina tells Ludus that she's accepted a job at a university. 
and he looks on sadly. Obviously, there's some unrequited feelings between them. She walks out. He he just looks sad, and he lets it happen. Then we find out that Drew is starting to to doubt Ludus's commitment to the project. He's starting to think that maybe this whole thing isn't a good idea. Maybe they can just find a skank. He says to to have sex with the two of them. I don't know why he's so obsessed with that. But uh, uh, Drew has a classic response to his wishy-washiness. Everybody knows that the existential mysteries of life are revealed through material possessions and monetary gain. You fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Drew then immediately apologizes and he tells, hesitantly, he tells Ludus that he loves him. And just as he does that, Drew's dad comes down the stairs. (laughs) And he accuses them of messing with his wine collection. Uh, and Drew, of course, is a complete asshole to the guy. He just goes, "Fuck you!" Yeah, he, he dad's like, "Yeah." Hmm? He goes, he goes full on Napoleon Dynamite here. Yeah, like, exactly. God, Dad, God. <laughs> the dad comes over. He's like, "So you say all this stuff is gonna help me grow a bigger Johnson, right?" <laughs> and he's like, "No, Dad, you're not gonna get any." It's it is actually really really good. But uh, the father is has a uh, a drink with him, and he lays it down right next to the formula. And, of course, when he reaches to get it again, he accidentally drinks the Coxantium formula, Mo. Classic mix-up. And what happens to him? Well, he starts to uh, come vigorously. Come vigorously, Uh, that's right. Comes out the (laughs) leg of his pants, which is pretty gross. Yes, it it does collect at the bottom of his pant leg, which is unfortunate. He also does uh, spit up some green stuff at the same time. Again, very holy moly-ish. Yeah, and then then immediately goes crazy. Uh, he kills Drew and starts beating him up in the greatest way possible. Explain it, Mo. All right. So the dad punches into him, pulls out one of his organs, and then proceeds to start punching the organ. He pulls out his kidney yeah. and just starts wailing, wailing on, on it. it. It's fucking hilarious. And then Ludus, uh, who, who's witnessing this whole thing, he pulls out a gun and blows the, the dad's head off. Yup. Then we see Ludus, he's in the shower, cleaning off, cleaning all the blood off afterwards. He then immediately goes to the boss of the organization to stop Coxantium because obviously it's too dangerous. But uh, the boss says that he's trying to create a utopian society where all men are of equal value. He picks up a button mow that will release it, uh, the release the Coxantium into the water supply. Uh, will double penetrate it into the water supply. Yes. <laughs> She says, there will be collective bonerage and all will be well. Everyone's <laughs> cock will be sucked. There is yeah. a lot of interesting dialogue in this movie. It's Lucas a really, has a good point to that. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's a really well-written film. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say that. <laughs> the boss has the thing in his hand. He threatens to push it uh, or click it or whatever. Ludus uh, points a gun at him and he, he releases the Coxantium into the water supply and Ludus shoots him in the head. He's too late. And that leads directly, Mo, into another montage of men with their dicks out, large objects held over their heads, filling the street, Mo, crushing women's heads. Um, We even, uh, Ludus, who's obviously very concerned about what the result of this, he calls Gina. Uh, He starts crying on her answering machine, saying that she's the most beautiful girl in the world. But unfortunately, she's already dead. Uh, You see her body with her head has been crushed by a giant piece of wood. There's another... I mean, I, I hate to say great, but it's an amazing effect where we see a woman get her head crushed in, like, a car door. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, oh, this this montage ends with an incredibly disturbing moment 
where uh, like there's all this violence happening everywhere, and a woman says, just screams, "Oh my god!" And the camera points up, and we see a plane fly into a skyscraper. Oh right, right. Which is such. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! So yeah, this movie is not afraid to go there, but I guess after that, uh, the the World War II propaganda part, uh, we, you just didn't know where this movie was going to go. Exactly. That's that's one of the things about this movie. You just because it's so unhinged and unafraid and fearless, whether that's good or bad, you really it's kind of an exciting thing to watch it for the first time because you never know what it might do next. Right. Exactly. And like I mean, I, I like let's put it let's let's make set it straight. Obviously, this film will offend a lot of people. Oh yes, yeah. it offended me at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it it didn't me. I, I you know, I, I well, Lodi fucking dog. But Mo. um, but yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's not funny and it's not bold. You know, it is bold. It, That's a really yeah. good word to describe bold. And and I also think that it's hard. I know this is weird to say. It's hard is sort of in the right place. Right. Um, and it the point it's trying to make is not one that it it's it. I think at some point the idea that anyone would take this seriously would be pretty funny to the people who made it. Right. <laughs> so this is still part of the flashback. Uh, Ludus has just called Gina. She's dead. He's wandering the streets, basically. And uh, Houdini and his group of men, they find him. And somehow they realize that he – I think he even says – He admits it. Yeah. He said yeah, he he's the it, reason. Right? Yeah. And they keep calling him Two-Faced for no reason except for the fact of what they're going to do next, Mo. They hold him down, and what do they do? They tear his face right off. They tear his face up. Now, when and it actually makes it kind of funny that uh, Houdini himself got his face torn off by Ludus, but this face ripping is very uh, unpleasant to watch because it's just like ripping as hard as you can, pulling his face off. Right. But but this does this does lead to the great moment now of him grabbing his face up off the ground. And like running back to the house uh-huh. while holding the face and making some of the most truly insane noises I have ever heard in a movie ever. It's just grunting and barking and, you know, and growling and just weird moans and nonsense. It's incredible. It's such a great performance. And while he's making these kind of horrible noises, he's also Mo trying to duct tape the face back onto his <laughs> skull. Right. Which is amazing. And what's even better is that afterwards he's like he's like doing a bunch of science work and we see him wipe the sweat off of his brow, but of course his brow has now been taped onto his own face. <laughs> yeah, so he'll so he keeps working on a cure for a while. He run, he he'll go out like with the his skin mask on. And right. collect, collect body parts, and you see him like examining on a like, severed penis. Yeah, yeah, he's like examining an intestine, and like he's injecting a severed penis with something, and then the power goes out, and that's when he's that's basically at the point where he just says, "Fuck it, there's no way I'm gonna do any, I'm gonna be able to do anything anymore," and he becomes this mace, masked maniac, Ludus. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he grabs the mask. I don't know why he had the mask. And he grabs the glove. And that's what he is from now on. Yep. And that ends the story that he's telling uh, Phil and uh, Misandra. And uh, he ends like this. That is the end of my story. I caused the taint. Why didn't they fucking kill you, you fucking lesbian? <laughs> you fucking deserve to die. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> so Phil... <laughs> 
Bill isn't too happy about this this uh, discovering who created the taint. Um, and he does mention, by the way, that he did search for a cure. And he asks Phil, what fills your dreams with dread, Phil? And Phil goes, nothing. Nothing at all. And then we get Phil's backstory. A lot of flashbacks in this movie, Mo. Yeah. <laughs> a little disjointed, I would say. But it works. Yeah, it works. So we see Phil wake up in his own house. And again, this is a flashback. Wakes up, puts on a pair of sunglasses immediately, goes into the bathroom, smokes a cigarette. But then he does something amazing, which is he picks up a comb while looking in the mirror, is about to touch his hair, and then just realizes that his hair is perfect. He's like, ah. <laughs> I woke he up gra- like this. Yeah, that's right. And then he grabs a gun and uh, changes his sunglasses and then goes outside <laughs> and he skateboards to school while smoking. Yep. He gets there and Houdini is yelling at children, uh, I guess yelling at, at his classmates at the time. We never see these classmates, which is probably a smart decision by the filmmakers. Um, <laughs> and Houdini asks him why he isn't uh, in gym today and Phil gives him a note. This oh. is the greatest. This is the greatest <laughs> fucking note in the history of notes. All it says is Phil can't do shit today. <laughs> and it's signed Phil. <laughs> <laughs> like, on, like, honestly, like, I kind of want to get that as a tattoo. Just like a piece of paper that just says Phil can't do shit today. Signed <laughs> Phil. And of course, Houdini, he takes a note and throws it on the ground, and he stomps <laughs> on it. But it, like, but the best part, it's flat. So it's like he's not, yeah. he's doing literally nothing to this note. Bit of an empty gesture. And he goes, that's what I think of it, you lazy bitch. <laughs> and when, when Houdini asks Phil why, why he's like this, he has a classic response. What the fuck is wrong with you, Jenny? Jim. <laughs> it just ain't my subject. <laughs> That's all the explanation he gives, Mo. That's all you need. So uh, he just immediately goes uh, back into the school, and he grabs his girlfriend, and they sit and they smoke outside the school, and they are approached by another student, Mo, also in a school uniform, mm-hmm. and her name is Sandy. And she tells him that uh, she needs to talk to him in private. He's very hesitant, Mo. He says, all you bitches, all the time, giving me shit. <laughs> yeah, this is... This... He is... He's such a whiny yeah, he's character. Just, he's just like, oh, God. So he eventually agrees to talk to her in private. They go walk together. Uh, he, she asks if they can go to his house. And he he says that they are over. I love this but, line, yeah. But, but he will fuck her. Yeah, we're over. But if you want, I'll fuck you. Yeah, yeah. He's he's really gross, actually. Yeah, he's totally gross. Well, you can probably guess what she has to say to him. They go inside, and uh, she tells him that she's pregnant. And his response is, with what? <laughs> uh, and then, Mo, something amazing happens. Well, actually, so he says, with what? She goes, she goes your baby asshole. And his response is this. We can still fuck, right? <laughs> she does slap him, to her credit. Um, she says that she wants to get an abortion, but this, Mo, is a callback. He says, but the government just made abortions illegal. How's that going to work? And she tells him that he has to do it. 
And then he whines like like a child mm-hmm. about having to do it. But eventually he agrees. He says his dad gets home in two hours, so they're going to have to do it right now. And he has to, This is such a bad taste fucking thing. Yeah. But she tells him to get a coat hanger, and all he has is plastic coat hangers. <laughs> and she goes, what kind of a loser doesn't have metal coat hangers? And he goes, don't judge me. I... <laughs> So he does. He does end up finding one, and, uh-huh. and it, this is this is a great bit of dialogue too. He finds one, and she's like, "Well, go wash it off." He goes, "What do you think? I have dirty goat hangers?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we see him wash the coat hanger, and she tells him to use antibacterial soap, and he goes, "I don't have any." Ultra concentrated Don is gonna have to do. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I mean, this is something else. Yeah. Uh, so he bends the coat hanger. Uh, into well, he just bends it, and then he puts a condom on it. Mm-hmm. We get we get the uh, glass swap again. We see him swap his sunglasses again. I, uh, yeah, he tries to put on one pair, decides against it, and puts on a different pair. <laughs> uh, and then they have this like weird piece of dialogue where she says, "You know, I really believed you when you said you loved me." And he goes, "If it makes you feel any better, I believed me too." What a fucking weird thing to say. And then he does the abortion mo, and there's this. The worst squishy noises it's the, over this. The Foley work in this is both um, amazing and terrifying. And, like, it doesn't lead anywhere. He pulls the coat hanger out, and all he does is go, where did the condom go? Yeah, and then it just cuts. It cuts. It just cuts. That's all of it. Yeah. Apparently, that's the thing that's been haunting him a little bit. So then we're back in uh, Ludus's basement. He says that we're all misogynists at heart. We're good at two things. He's speaking about men now. Busting a nut and killing people. And when you can't do one, you do the other. And if you're lucky, you do them both at the same time. And then he admits something, Mo. He admits the big reveal no! of the movie. Yeah. It's, it's this. Phil, there's something I have to tell you. That's why did we drink tonight. It's so Missandra shoots Ludus. She tries to reassure Drew that that he always did what he wanted to do. He's not like the monsters out there. He's not going to be turned immediately into a misogynist like them. Um, and he he asks her how she became such a cool and amazing woman. And she says that when she was young, her father told her that she was as strong and talented as any man. That she can be a statement. Her personality and character can be a solution to all sexual inequalities in America. But that is then punctuated by Luda, who is still alive, breaking through the back of her head and out the front of her face with his erect dick. Yeah. And then he comes all over. (laughs) And Phil goes, misogynistic son of a bitch. And he shoots uh, Luda's dick off. Yeah. So then Phil runs outside. Covered in cum. So I, so I, I this is I, I've been kind of waiting to this point in the movie to kind of mention this because uh, Drew was telling me when I talked to him about what that cum was made out of. Yeah, and he he basically said all it was was flour and water. It's paste. It was yes. basically just runny paste. So he said well, after that scene when it dried, like it was impossible to get off. <laughs> so- <laughs> This, uh, uh, yeah, so he's permanently cum stained. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. So he immediately goes outside. He's covered in cum. He sees one of Houdini's men, shoots his dick off. Then he shoots another guy's dick. Then he pulls a guy's dick off. Then he shoots another dick, which explodes blood. 
Uh, there's like a parade of blood. Of, of it's people. a huge montage. Yeah, it's basically a montage of just exploding. Pops. And some of them spray come after exploding. Yeah. So at one point, after shooting all these dicks, he gets blood in his eyes, Mo. And what does he do to alleviate that? <laughs> uh, you know, so so the justification for this, we could say, is because he was blinded at the uh-huh. time. But uh, but he does find a particularly useful cloth. That he's able to wipe his face Not off. Not just with. any cloth, Mo. It's old glory. <laughs> it's old glory. He finds it a big old American a big flag. Big old American flag. He wipes the blood off his face. He wraps it around his shoulders. He hops on a skateboard and he rides around shooting people in the dick while wrapped in the American flag. <laughs> he. It's a great. It's a great. Image. He eventually arrives at an underpass where there are acts of violence against women all around him. This is where, Mo, we right. see the woman getting her head chainsawed in half in slow motion. Yeah, and it yeah. is an amazing effect. Amazing. It really is, like, shockingly well done. Like, do you remember that? Do you remember that? What, the, which short was it? Was it from VHS or was it from ABC's of Death? I think it's from VHS, right. where there's, like, that woman who, like, seduces men and she turns out to be, like, a monster. Oh, right, right, right. And her... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks a lot like that. Like when she finally shows her true form and her head sort of splits open. It looks a bit like that. It's a very cool looking effect. I know Drew has worked on special effects for different movies. I think he worked on uh, the Return of, to Newcom High uh, reboot that that has came out recently. So I mean, he obviously has knows his way around special effects work. But this is really impressive stuff. Uh, it's. Amazing for the budget. We see another a group. They're pulling a woman's shirt off and they're chopping over the machete over and over. Uh, and we see another woman who's tied to like a pole and she's getting whipped uh, while another guy jerks off next to her and then comes comes <laughs> all over his own face. <laughs> Jesus. Phil sees all this. He starts to freak out. Suddenly the image turns into his dream where... Uh, it's a negative, and he's surrounded by dicks, and the camera slowly zooms into his face. Mo, I think the taint is getting him, but I guess we'll never know because the end. The movie ends at that moment. Credits. Credits hit. And uh, so we didn't really give much credit uh, outside of Drew. Dan G. Nelson was the co-director on this, and not just the co-director. So let's list the credits just really quickly. I don't know if you have them written down, Mo. Of course I don't. Oh, well, I do. So Drew... <laughs> Was the writer, director, producer, production coordinator, which is spelled wrong in the credits, executive producer, casting, makeup, location scout, editor, original score, sound design, practical effects, supervisor. And Dan G. Nelson was the co-director, producer, director of photography, camera operator, executive producer, production coordinator, casting, stunt coordinator, gaffer, makeup, location scout, editor, sound edit, special effects supervisor. These guys both put in a shitload of work to make the team. This was a passion project, Mo. Oh, yeah. And uh, I guess it paid off. Uh, I, I, I know other people who have seen this movie and were equally impressed by it uh, to, to, to me. But really, when I, it really is a wonder of a movie. It also is kind of representative of what a modern, say, like 2010, 2011 plus uh, micro budget movie can be because it can include things like visual effects that are very polished. It can include uh, high quality soundtrack. I mean, you will never mistake this movie for like a Hollywood movie, but it's way more polished than a lot of other micro-budget movies. And I have to think this movie was made for almost nothing. Yeah. It's really, really, really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That said, and, and, and it's just amazing to think that they used all of these resources, all of that time, and all of that money to basically show a bunch of dicks coming a lot. Yeah, a lot of coming dicks, right? Yeah. Um, so, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mo, this does lead us to the end of the movie. There isn't anything particularly notable about the closing credits, except that uh, there is a post credit scene mode did you see the post credit scene i did okay tell us about it of course you can be ready to yawn <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i was doing so good too so it's basically a commercial for coxantium but not quite as uh, offensive as the nazi one um I, I, I don't remember. I didn't write down exactly what he said, but there, there is the great line where it says, it's about time you did something with your withering, with your withered <laughs> penis. Uh, uh, and this, uh, this ad is hosted by Mr. Lobo, the uh, horror, the famous American horror host, if, uh, if you're into that sort of thing. Oh, there you go. Well, there you go. But that is the movie, Mo. Now, I promised the audience, Mo, that I would ask you, do you think like this movie is making fun of the idea of misogyny? Is it trying to play, have a little play on sort of the sensitivity that a lot of people have to the idea of misogyny? Or is it just trying to kind of condemn uh, the, the whole idea of men who hate women and, uh, and hate the idea of strong, independent women? Um, I mean, to me, based, based on, you know, the, um, the company that Drew has kept since the movie came out, you know, like the trauma team and like, and that sort of thing. It seems to me more like it, it would be more along the lines of him making fun of, you know, misogynists than it would be him making fun of the idea of people, you know, being overly sensitive to misogynists, you know, that sort of thing. That's I, my, that's my opinion. I don't know. Well, I asked him in my interview many a year ago, I says, I says, holy shit. <laughs> I said, the tainted water turns men into women hating, cum spewing misogynists. How prevalent do you think misogyny is in horror and cult films? And was that a direct response or just meant to poke fun? And his response is, it is a response, but I think it's more about the hypocrisy of the thing. The movie is about misogyny, but also misogynistic. The beauty of horror is that it tends to actually wallow in the dark stuff of humanity, not just confront it or make light of it with jokes. I also love arguing points of view that I don't actually believe in. So I think that's, it both says what the feelings, the kind of perspective is while not saying it at the same time. Right. At the very least, it's obvious that he was putting thought into it when he was making the movie. Uh, and whether that uh, direction or that impression is clear from the final product, uh, that's up to you, the audience, to decide. But at the very least, there is a perspective and it doesn't seem to be as skewed and <clears throat> fucked up as, say, how women's studies ended up being. <laughs> yeah. That's it, Mo. Would you recommend The Taint to our audience? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. I think it's a movie very much worth seeking out. I believe it's actually available on Blu-ray. That would probably be the ideal way to see it. As I mentioned before, the soundtrack is also out there. I'm not sure if it's still available for sale. And uh, The Taint 2... Uh, it looks like, uh, as long as they're serious about it, that is a movie that will be coming in the future. If that is the case, I'm guessing that there'll probably be some sort of crowdfunding surrounding it. And uh, we'll definitely let people uh, know about that because I want to see The Taint 2. I have not seen Science Team, uh, Drew's 
follow-up to this movie. Uh, I also have not seen Assassin Knot, which apparently is his latest movie that he's just completing uh, with, <laughs> with an amazing title of its own. But yeah, no, I think, I think The Taint, it's definitely the kind of movie that if I was 17 or 18, I, if I saw it, I'd be like, everybody I know has to see this movie. As a bit of an older person, I have some trouble. Maybe I feel a little conflicted with some of the material in it. But it's also one of those things that you that is right. an example of the best and most interesting of what a micro-budget movie can be. It also has some amazing effects and lots – and more dicks yeah. getting blown up than just about any movie I've ever seen. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> do, you, do you think it has more dicks being blown up than, say, our RoboCop remake? Now, I that I was going to mention that. So if anyone who hasn't seen this, our RoboCop remake is a shot-for-shot shot remake of the movie RoboCop that's available to watch online for free where the movie was split watch into it. like sh- it, short segments and uh, different groups were in charge of remaking that one scene. Um, there's one particular scene in it where it's just a parade of cocks it's a, getting blown up. It's amazing. It's really the highlight of the entire thing, but it's also... It's a. I love those kind of projects. Anyway, there's a few of them. There's a Footloose remake done by the same guys, and, and there's a Star Wars remake, just like that, where it's just a ton of creative people um, remaking these movies in in segments. And you know, watching it as a whole is sort of like a sensory overload, but it's a really fun one. Yeah, yeah. That I recommend that highly as well. Mo, yes. What are we watching? On the next episode of No Budget Members, we did discuss this. Yes. Oh, boy. Next time on No Budget Nightmares, you will listen to your hosts, Mo Porn and Doug Tilly, discuss 2004's Jesus Christ Serial Rapist by the infamous director Bill Zebub. Uh, it is currently rocking a 2.3 out of 10. On IMDb. <laughs> we, uh, Mo contacted me earlier today and said that, you know, it's probably time for us to watch another Bill Zabub movie. We, we of course, covered uh, famously Ant Farm Dickhole mm-hmm. a number of years ago. Um, and he does have a large filmography. I usually refer to him as the anal cunt of, of directors. That's actually, and, that's actually a really good analogy, yeah. But the... When people sometimes ask me, it's like, hey, what kind of movies do you like? And I just want to shock them. I usually say titles like Ant Farm Dickhole because they're so ridiculous. Well, isn't isn't, the, cl- isn't like the, the classic story is that anytime like your wife talks about yeah, what kind of movies right. we should, she always says Ant Farm Dickhole. <laughs> well, when she talks about, it's like, yeah, my husband has this podcast. It's about stupid, terrible, micro-budget movies. And one of them is called Ant Farm Dickhole. Yeah. And then, of course, and but she is aware that there is a movie out there called Jesus Christ, Serial Rapist, which is... So just massively, humongously offensive. Yeah. Just as a concept. Yep. Right? And but and and honestly, when Mo mentioned the idea of doing this, my first response to it was we really shouldn't because for one thing, I'm gonna have to promote this and I'm I still don't know how I'm gonna do that without getting in trouble with people that I know and care about. I should clarify uh, I should clarify something. I only said we should revisit Beelzebub. You're the one who brought up Jesus Christ Serial Rapist. <laughs> Shut up, Mo. <laughs> uh, I did. Mostly because if we're going to watch another Bill Zabo movie. You might as well. Yeah. You got to go to the top. And if we're not going to watch Dick Shark, we're going to watch Jesus Christ Serial Rapist on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. 
May God have mercy on our souls. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this still, and I imagine I'll be even more conflicted when it comes time to record. I don't think there's going to be any confliction at all. I don't think... I Confliction? Is that a word? Con- <laughs> conflict? I don't think there's going to be any conflict at all. I, I think we're both going to fucking hate this movie to pieces. I mean, maybe we'll get lucky, and there might be I'm something, gonna, I, but... Look, I'm, I'm going to go into this um, optimistic. Well, I, no, I always do. I always do. This is an early Beelzebub movie. Maybe he was still putting a bit more effort. Into <laughs> Maybe the dicks are a little more realistic looking. Uh, we'll find out because on the next episode, we are we're going to watch this thing. And uh, oh boy! <laughs> By the way, the tagline the tagline for Jesus Christ serial rapist is: first he nails you, then he nails you. Uh... Oh, that makes me want to watch it less, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do it, Mo. Yeah, no, no. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Mo, I know you got to go, so tell us, where can we find more information about No Budget Nightmares on the internet? Oh, well, you can go right on to the Facebook and uh, do either a search for No Budget Nightmares, it'll come right up, or go to facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares, one word. You can also follow follow No Budget Nightmares on Twitter at No Budget Podcast, all one word. Uh, and yes, you can go to No Budget Podcast, and from there you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Why don't you leave us a review? We'd appreciate it very much. You can also uh, give us a little bit of money on our Patreon if you want to hear more No Budget Nightmares episodes. Hey, we're rolling right along with content in the month of April. Um, but Mo, you're also on Twitter, I hear. I am. I am at Drunk on VHS, and I'm there at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L. E. Why? And at this point, Mo, we'd normally talk about some movies that we watched recently. And I know you did watch the Andre the Giant documentary, but unfortunately, you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I want to. I kind of want to just go, to be honest. I, I'll say I'll say very briefly that the Andre the Giant documentary was fantastic and everybody should watch it. I watched it, too. It's very worthwhile, even if you don't give a shit about Andre the Giant. I watched it with my wife, who doesn't care about any of that stuff, and she thought it was quite intriguing, especially the early material. Some really amazing early footage and pictures. I mean, obviously the most intriguing part of it was how full of shit Hulk Hogan was, but, you know, other than that. If you find that intriguing, then I have the whole rest of his career to show you. (laughs) (laughs) But with that, Mo, I think it's time... We need to we need to, to go regain our strength yeah. uh, uh, enough to uh, to experience Jesus Christ serial rapist, but uh, but before we get to that, we'll just remember that both um, the taint and what was the movie that we watched in the most recent episode? I've forgotten already. Oh, who killed Captain Alex? Yeah, 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 yeah. Movie, 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 watched, movie, movie. We watched two great movies in a row, which is might be a new record for this <laughs> fucking show. <laughs> so I'm gonna hold on to that, and I'm gonna remember that. And maybe next time we'll be lucky and we'll go three in a Romo, but boy, not, I just don't know. Not this time. <laughs> not this time. Well, we'll see in just a couple of weeks. Good night, everybody. Everybody knows that the existential mysteries of life are revealed through material possessions and monetary gain. You fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs>